Welcome to Becoming Legendary. This uh, episode, we spoke with Dan Berlay. Dan is a modern-day teacher, healer, and world-renowned pioneer in the field of breathwork. He is one of the creators, uh, like true founders of mm. breath therapy, and was among the original group of internationally certified rebirthers. He's kind of a master of of breathing and all things related, and Brian, I know you were super jazzed about this conversation. So t- tell me, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> the OG of breath work, man. Um, just, just talk about a person who who lives it and walks it and and truly believes in the power of your breath. It's it's transformational. Just listening to the man talk, quite quite honestly, um, there are tons of tons of different nuggets he leaves there on the podcast for you to kind of further investigate and explore yourself. Um, but, but like, you know, like, like the first thing, the first thing always starts with the inhale and the second thing is always the exhale. And that'll kind of lead you down the Dan Brule, um, rabbit hole, but gosh, what a, what an amazing conversation. Yeah. Really, really fun time. Just a quick reminder before we jump into this podcast, give us a review. It's like free. Us. It's easy. And we are on YouTube now, which like nobody, nobody, um, consumes our podcast via that mechanism. And I understand you don't want to look at us, but uh, just in case you're bored one night and you need something to watch, this would be a great conversation to watch. Uh, Dan's a very animated guy. So you'll, you at least have, you at least have his good looks to look at. <laughs> it's one of the, so, one of, one of, so no, without no. further, without further ado, yes. <laughs> without further ado, <laughs> becoming legendary with Dan, Dan Berlay. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legend and become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Dan, welcome to Becoming Legendary. How are you, man? Oh, if I was doing any better, I'd have to be twins. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, all that goodness, all that goodness in one being. Um, So we'll do we'll do a proper introduction for you in our in our pre show. But can you just give us a little bit of insight into how you became you? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a I'm a missionary for the breath, you know, from from my earliest age, you know, organizing breath holding competitions in the schoolyard in the first grade and um, become an x-ray technician and x-raying thousands of lungs, people's lungs, uh, learning CPR, learning how to resuscitate people uh, using the breath, artificial respiration. Uh, A lot of work in the military as a deep sea diver, uh, underwater rescue, medical, medical rescue. And um, coming out of the military, discovering rebirthing, Leonard Orr's rebirthing method. And uh, all of the lessons that I had learned about breathing were, were learned the hard way, near drowning accidents and so on. Uh, but then when I discovered rebirthing in 1976, I thought, wow, here's, here's a way you can actually turn people onto the breath without, um, 
uh, without the need for a, a lot of risk. You know, like my great openings to the breath were like near drowning experiences. Hmm. You don't know what you got till it's gone. And so uh, you, you, you learn to appreciate your breath when you, when you lose it. And, um, and a couple of those experiences I had were just so ecstatic. And um, I, I wanted everybody to experience it. But there aren't too many people who volunteer for seminars that involve having to drown. And so <laughs> rebirthing gave me, a, gave me a, a way to, you know, get people on the path, turn them on to the power and the potential of breath. And so it fulfilled my mission. I'm a, I'm a missionary for the breath. And um, I've never met a breathing exercise I didn't like. So, um, and I'm a perpetual student. And, um, and it's good to see because 50 years ago, people thought, not nah, breathing, shmeathing, you know, <laughs> yoga, shmoga, meditation, shmeditation. It was like woo woo, new age, weird, you know, Hindu weird stuff. But hey, now the science is caught up. So much unarguable evidence-based studies about the benefits of breathing. So I'm I'm celebrating every day that uh, that the breathing has become a mainstream thing. It's not a fringe, you know, mm. uh, new age woo-woo thing anymore. It's mainstream, which is where it belongs. Which is really in a lot of ways, a testament to you, right? Like you, you call yourself missionary for the breath, but you were also like one of the founding, the founding partners in, mm -hmm. in creating, in creating the ability to take breath work worldwide. How did, how did that path begin for you where you knew you had to, to take this thing you've, you've come in contact with and spread it? Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever anything, when we discover something that, that, changes our lives that make such a big huge difference in our life i think it's it's uh it's normal it's natural that we're compelled to share it with people we love yeah that we want everybody to experience the same benefits and um and so yeah i've been to 67 countries so far and i've had my hands on probably a nearly a quarter of a million people in the last 50 years wow. and um so I, I can't remember when it began and I have no idea where it's going to end because there seems to be every day we learn of new possibilities, you know, where else can we take it? What else can we accomplish? And so I'm, I'm, I'm as psyched about breathing as I was in, in the first grade when I, when I heard that God breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. I would, I got so excited about that. And that original excitement, you know, is still here that, wow, you know, the I'm breathing God, <laughs> like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. life force energy, creative energy, healing energy, it's right under our nose. How do we tap it? How do we access it? Mm -hmm. How do we extract the energy from the air, the, the prana, the chi, the key from, from the breath we breathe? So I'm, I'm, I'm still looking, I'm still digging. And uh, as I said, I'm celebrating every day. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Okay, so let me let me go yeah. back. I want to go back to first grade because you've mentioned that twice. But before we do that, I want to talk about, you know, I, I think you're right in that when when we as as beings come in in contact with something that is profoundly life changing, we want to share that. Mm -hmm. 
But I, I also think the reality is oftentimes when we do share that particular experience, we're met with restrictions that we didn't expect. So I, I would assume there were, there were some restrictions at least early on. How, how did you come in contact with those if there were any? And then how did you overcome them? Yeah, it would probably be in the early days, the lack of science, you know, evidence-based scientific medical studies. Mm. All we had was our own experience. I mean, there are ancient methods that have been tested and tried over, you know, a couple of thousand years, but that's not enough for science, you know? And uh, so that piece that was lacking was a big inhibitor. You know, people, it seems like they need permission uh, it has to be acceptable and approved in some way. And yeah. I've always been sort of a fringe, out-of-the-box disruptor kind of uh, person. And um, so that was, I think that's been the big change over the years, that the science catching up to ancient yogic wisdom and science catching up to, um, uh, you know, things that, like when I was in the military, nobody taught us how to control our breath or use our breath. We were just stumbling along, figuring it out out of necessity. Hmm. And, um, and now there are definite studies and protocols and proofs. So that's been that's been huge. We don't we're not dealing with that so much now. Although the stuff that I'm excited about and playing with and experimenting with now, it's probably going to be a few years before there are medical studies and scientific studies to validate it but I'll, I'll be damned if I'm going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That, well, that, that pioneering component, right, is obviously, is obviously ingrained within you. It, it sounds like, because you, you've mentioned two things from first grade, like holding, holding breath, holding contest, mm -hmm. and then this experience of like life being breathed, taught that life was breathed into the human being. Mm. So, and and both of those times you mentioned first grade, which obviously right rough rough estimate of time, whatever. But do do you think that there was any other potential path for you? Was breath work like ingrained in you in a way that it just had to be? This is the path you were going to walk down. Yeah, the only possible other path, like all little Catholic boys, we were supposed to grow up to be priests, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there was no way I was going to pass muster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I was in church, like everything made me laugh. I mean, okay. you know, things that weren't funny anywhere else in church, they were very funny. And so um, I, I wasn't serious enough, it seemed like, for, for my Catholic uh, supervisors. And the chances of me um, eliminating things that I love to do that priests would have to eliminate doing, I wasn't, I wasn't in for that either. So the only thing left was the breath. And it wasn't really a choice. It just kept, it just kept showing up in my face. Mm. You know, I, mm. I would, I'd be at the beach and somebody would drown. I'd resuscitate them. I'm in a restaurant. Somebody chokes on food. I resuscitate them. I'm on an airplane. Somebody has a heart attack. I resuscitate them. And so it's like <laughs> when, when, when you love what you do, the universe keeps giving you opportunities to do it. And so it, it just sort of gradually dawned on me that, hey, this is what I'm about. I, every time I looked in a different direction, I, I would still bump into breathing. Uh, the, the only legitimate job I could say that I had or was in advertising. And, uh, 
and there was one account as a as a I did creative stuff for advertising jingles, radio commercials, stuff like that. And there was a big um, agency in Boston. I really wanted to lock in that account. Her name was Barbara Black, the Black Agency in Boston. <laughs> this is back in the in the late seventies, and I wanted her account because she had big prestigious bank accounts, car dealers, you know, very good big institutional uh, clients. And I went to her for a meeting. And within a half an hour, she's like crying, telling me her life story, and I'm breathing with her. And so I realized, <laughs> okay, I, I'm not supposed to be doing anything else. Even if I try to do something else, mm -hmm. breathing keeps coming up. So I just gave up. And um, I was schizophrenic for a while, meaning that I would, I would do some advertising stuff to make money. And then when I had enough money in the bank to go for six months or a year, I would go to India, I'd go to China, I would travel to Europe, I would go study with some breathing teacher, and I would teach for free until I was broke. And then I'd go back and produce another jingle or another ad campaign and put some money in the account. And then I'd go off again on my missionary journey. And at some point, I just started breaking even. And then at some point, wow, I came back from a trip. I'll never forget. I came back from a trip to Russia and I had made money. And I thought, wow, if I can make money in Russia, if I can make rubles in Russia, I can do this anywhere. So it sort of just became my profession, even though it wasn't a, it was more of a missionary zeal. Uh, but it turns out that breathing can be big business. So, so <laughs> yeah, rad. <for> sure. <laughs> I want to peel back the layers really quick on, on, um, on something you said when we when you did the optimize program when we first connected, um, it's it's a it's a quote I've used on this podcast umpteen times, numerous times, and I want to just kind of peel back the layers a little bit from it because it's something that connected to my soul um, and continues to connect to my soul and my breath every single day. And those two words are in in this little quote. So the quote that I, that I captured from you, Dan, was "Breath is the language of your soul," right? So what what can you expand on that a little, a little bit for us? And then also maybe peel back the layers of, you talk about spiritual breathing a lot. So um, whenever I'm tapped into my breath, for example, there, there's a layer of, um, of, of connection in, into my soul that I can absolutely feel. But I'd like to hear it out of, um, out of your mouth a little bit more, if we could. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I experience the soul as this intertwining of mind and heart. And... Um, and when you breathe consciously, there's conscious, that's the mind is involved. Uh, so conscious breathing, breath represents spirit. So we consciously embody our spirit every time we breathe. And, um, and the guiding light for that comes through our soul. Um, and, and if you look at the word respiration, inspiration expiration there's the root word spirit in there the animating principle of life mm. and um and that early awakening that you know that i'm not just breathing air i'm literally breathing the breath of god breathing divine creative energy and as a little five-year-old child that's so real that's so vivid you know and um but it's even more real now because i have a lot of experiences that have confirmed it that when i the creative process is combining consciousness and energy so if i have an idea i have to i need energy to bring that idea into reality right 
and just energy with no idea, you don't create anything. But when you combine consciousness and energy, and for me, that means breath, you create something every time. Every time you combine consciousness and energy, something is created. And that means that every single breath is a, is a creative impulse. It's a creative choice. It's creative opportunity. And uh, the way that we breathe determines how we feel, uh, how, uh, how we are in the world. So for me, the, the connection is so direct. I, 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 you know, it's like it's, a, it's just self-evident for me. And, and if, if we close our eyes and just focus on breathing and notice the feelings and sensations and enjoy those feelings and sensations, those are sensations of aliveness. We're mm. actually tuning into our aliveness. And what you focus on expands. And so the more we focus on our aliveness, the more alive we become. And so uh, it, it, it all just came together. For me, the breath brought everything together. My mind, my body, my spirit, the breath brings it all together. My soul, my heart's desire. I also like to say it's no accident that the lungs are wrapped around the heart. So it's really impossible to breathe without beginning to awaken the qualities of the heart, which mm. are spiritual qualities, basically, right? Yeah. And, uh, and the qualities of our soul. So um, uh, you almost have to be kind of a missionary about this work, or at least be really playful or, or slightly obsessed about it, <laughs> or enthusiastic at least. Sure. Sure. And and passionate because that's what unlocks a lot of the power that we have is our own enthusiasm, our own passion. That's what ignites the possibilities in life. I can feel the passion coming through the microphone, man. It's it's rad, absolutely. <laughs> so so passion, or you know, you just you spoke about energy to reality, right? And and it clear it, as as Brian noted, it's it's clear that you have this ingrained passion about breath that seems like it stems through the, the entirety is woven in through the entirety of your life. When, as people are, you know, everybody has that passion, right? I, I want to believe that everybody has that passion around something. And you, by choice or by happenstance or by existence, have woven commerce and capitalism into this dharmic reality that that also exists within you how has that that inter that interwovenness uh impacted your relationship to your breath and your relationship to life itself hmm. yeah well you know as an x-ray technician one of the easiest x-rays to take is the chest x-ray and so when i was a student in x-ray school i got all the chest x-rays and when you take a chest x-ray you tell the person taking a deep breath hold your breath, and then click, you take their picture. And as I watched people do that, I gave them the same exact instructions. And I began to notice that everybody does something different. Mm. Muscles they use, what they go through to accomplish a full breath, the expression on their face. Mm. Um, and it was, it was as if the breath just started speaking to me. I could, I could read breathing patterns like some people read palms or read handwriting. Mm or read sign language, or body posture, and so on. Cool. And for me, the breath was this very pure, 
uh, expression and reflection of who a person is and how they are in each moment. Every emotional state, every psychological state, every physiological state has a corresponding breathing pattern. And when your emotional state changes, your breathing pattern changes. When your, when your psychological state changes, your breathing pattern changes. And it's a two-way street. So I just, mm. I just started reverse engineering. And um, I met someone in x-ray school who was uh, a very famous surgeon. They were, this was in 1970. And hip nailings were like the national, it, it was a new, a new thing, putting pins in a hip, you know, uh, stainless steel pins for fractured uh, hip. And this guy was working for the company that manufactured these pins, and he was training surgeons all around the country. And he came to the hospital where I worked, and I happened to be in the cafeteria, and the surgeons who were like the top of the pyramid in the medical, in the hospital world, that they were like, you know, the gods, neurosurgeons, heart surgeons, you know, those guys were at the, at the, at the top of the food chain, you know, mm. and they were like giddy. They were, I listened to their conversations and we're like, wow, it sounds like Christmas is coming. Who the heck is this guy that they're expecting? They were probably seeing dollar signs in their, in their eyes, you know, uh, but they were excited about learning this new surgical technique. And when I met that guy, he was the first guy that I could say I, he had a palpable aura. He had a, he had a, he had um, a presence uh, uh, that you could feel. And when he walked in a room, you know, you knew, I mean, he just sort of his energy took over the room, a charisma of some kind, you know, mm -hmm. and um and he started me on this journey that he, he was like in the 1% of surgeons in the country. And the way he breathed, when I watched him and studied his breathing, when he was talking and moving and doing surgery, it was elegant. It was conscious. Um, it, it, it was graceful. It had a certain flowing quality to it, a spaciousness to it. And I thought, man, this guy has a different breathing quality than everybody else I've met. And I wonder if it has anything to do with him being the best at something. Mm. So I made it my, my aside project my whole life is to find one percenters in medicine, money, finance, engineering, music, entertainment. I don't care what it is. If you're in the 1%, do you breathe better than the average person? Do you breathe differently than the average person? <clears throat> Are you more conscious of your breath than the average person? Do you use your breath where the average person would not? And you know what? The answer is yes. I haven't found a single person who has reached the top of their field who, who, whose breathing patterns don't reflect their elite status. <laughs> Let's yeah. So, so what is that breathing pattern then? So let's, well, let's, let's dive into that. First is, yeah. First is conscious. You know, yeah. I found I found two exceptions and I had to really dig to find out they weren't exceptions. And the last one was this big, huge hedge fund guy, master of the universe stock guy, um, <laughs> lives in Palm Beach, Florida and, and um, billionaire many times over. And, um, and he, I was on my book tour and he had organized a little concert, a private concert at his beautiful estate in Florida. And I was invited and we were having this conversation. And I said, you know, you're like, you're like the one of the one percenters that we all hear about, you know? And I said, look, 
you ever practice any breathing? He goes, no, no, I'm not interested in that stuff. I said, you, you've never had any kind of breath training, like in gymnastics or, you know, when you were a kid in school. He said, no, I never given it any thought. I said, really? That's hard to believe. He goes, oh, wait a minute. He said, no, wait, 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 wait. He says, yeah, when I'm, when I get ready to go to bed at night, if there's something in my mind going around, I just take a couple of long breaths, a big sigh of relief mm -hmm. to kind of let it go and go to sleep. I said, whoa, that's breath work. Thank you. He goes, wait, wait, I just thought of something else. He says, my wife and I noticed that when one of us yawns, the other one yawns. And so we just, from time to time, we play with yawning together. I said, okay, phew, I thought you were an exception. I knew it. You're more conscious. You're more aware. You're more sensitive to breath and subtle things than the average person. So Phew, you proved my theory correct. You're not an exception after all. So I, I've just identified that, that, that um, it's one of these, one of these skills that, that, that people who work in high stakes life and death situations, um, they need it. They need it to really perform. Look at special forces and special operations people and SEAL team. You know, now when I was trying to convince them to practice breathing back in 1970, they laughed me out of the room. But now it's it's direct training. You 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 don't go through SEAL training without learning box breathing, without learning tactical breathing, without practicing breath holding, without learning to use your breath to to manage your arousal and and control your focus. Um, and so there's no escaping it if you if you want to you know, reach a very high state in whatever art or activity, the breath is going to be a powerful tool. And if you haven't used it, and you've already achieved some level of excellence, if you bring breathwork into it, you're going to go even higher, you're going to take your practice to an even higher level. There's I used to, I'm a big golfer. That's one of my pastimes and my hobbies. I, um, and I used to follow, go to tournaments just to follow Tiger Woods around. I was fascinated with his, his aura. Talk about an aura around a human being. Right. And I would get, I would, I would, I would walk ahead of his group, get to a tee box. So I could get as close as I possibly could to him. And one of the things that I noticed, um, this was after I quit playing um, competitively. So I didn't, there's nothing I could sort of apply to my, to my, game i try to apply it now but was 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 his breath he it was so calculated and rhythmic with his breathing it was it was as if the breath helped him eliminate all of the distractions it was because there's so much going around uh, in, in one of tiger woods's group noise and people yelling and cell phones going off and the more that the pressure sort of quote-unquote pressure or activity raised around him the the more focused and elongated and like like you mentioned conscious his breath got and it was it was fascinating to me to to then also watch him breathe before and after a shot because it never changed. It was always the same rhythmic pattern, and it was fascinating to to see. You know, talk about like a one percenter. That's yeah. um that's something an outlier in many, in many aspects. But the breath certainly was was palpable in, in those in those instances as well. So yeah, it can trigger the flow state and yeah. it helps you stay in that flow state. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah, exactly right. What percentage of the time would you say you're conscious of your breath? Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that time in kindergarten, God, I, 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 I don't know how long it lasted, but the idea that God was breathing into me every time I breathed, that was just the most exciting thing. And I know when I first heard it, 
you know, the priest would come around to the classes and tour all the classrooms every Friday. And uh, that Friday when he came in and he was talking about that story in the book of Genesis. And I don't have a lot of memories of it, but I knew I must have gotten way too animated. I have memories of the nun tapping me on my head, trying to calm me down. <laughs> and I had the priest with his hands on my shoulders trying to put me back in my chair. I guess I just got, I don't know, I got too excited too animated and so all i remember is them trying to like calm me down and you couldn't calm me down i had just heard the most amazing thing that i could ever imagine <laughs> and it turned me on like nothing ever turned me on and then uh near drowning experiences you know uh getting the wind knocked out of me um it it, it seemed like life just kept giving me these experiences that forced me to keep focusing on my breath and um, and so it just sort of grew into a realization that this is what my life is about. And I, and I, I feel really blessed because a lot of people never really get in touch with their true purpose in life, yeah. their mission, their purpose for being, you know, and I don't have any doubt about that. So for me, one of the biggest questions in life has, has been answered and, whew, you know, that's... Uh, uh, and, and I can just live it, you know. That's a that's it's exhaling and and just finding that moment of peace. I'm with you, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Oh, and the time I first resuscitated somebody, you know, did artificial resuscitation on this guy John Doherty. I I spent so much time with him after that, and just what a beautiful man. And you know, you you find somebody who's literally clinically dead. They have no pulse. They're not breathing. Their pupils are fixed and dilated. They're, mm. they're ashen gray. They look like a corpse and you blow into them and they blink and wake up. What a freaking miracle. I mean, wow. who wouldn't want to experience that every day of their life? And that's what I began to mention afterwards. I, I, I was hoping, waiting for the next person I could revive and, mm. and, and the universe gave yeah. me lots of opportunities. I actually... <laughs> I counted them up at one point um, after I got out of the uh, military and I was teaching CPR and first aid for the Heart Association. I was training EMTs, uh, firemen and police and first responders. And so I counted up how many people I had done CPR on. And I, I, I resuscitated 19 people in my life. And that okay. was out of about 30 attempts. Wow. So, you know, just... Just reviving one person, I mean, doesn't that make your whole life worthwhile? 100%. But 19 people that I that I resuscitated, it's like I'm a glutton for ecstasy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. The universe exactly. keeps, keeps putting you in I those situations. Hey, stay away from me. I might be bad luck. <laughs> yeah, people are like exactly. dropping like flies around me <laughs> so I can rescue them, you know? <laughs> exactly. I was thinking. Oh, my goodness. So when you when you got out of the military, you you spent some time in Oregon with OSHA, right? Yeah, yeah, quite a many years after I got out of the military in '76, I went right into the University of Massachusetts, and um, and I started developing my Better Breathing for Better Health kind of program at the at University that point. of Massachusetts. Yeah, 1976. Wow. Yeah, and, and it's because I had. Um, um, uh, I, a book that really changed my life was a book by Ken Key's Handbook to Higher Consciousness. And that book found me like the week after I 
get discharged from the military. And uh, Ken Keyes was this beautiful teacher of heart and consciousness. And he called his method the living love way. And that book just changed my life. Yeah, I, you know, he, he westernized a lot of spiritual, Eastern spiritual philosophies. And, and he just had a, he had a way of speaking about it in, in a way that the Western mind really gets it. And that book changed my life. And when I got to the University of Massachusetts, I saw that book on the bookshelf in the school. It was somebody was using it in one of their courses. And I thought, holy cow, somebody's using this book on a university level course. And that's how I met one of my mentors, Milton Young, who was teaching transpersonal psychology, transpersonal education, human development and learning. He was a devotee of Sai Baba. And he's the one who introduced me to rebirthing. And um, so uh, it's like things just seem to line up when, when, you're, when you're really walking your path. Mm. Serendipity, coincidences, right place at the right time, meeting certain people just in the right moment. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a my life is a classic story of that. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So, and that... That particular that particular time in America was just it it felt like powder keg energy kind of constantly right and um, that experience with the Rajneesh what what was that time in your life like? I had a client uh, Jeffrey Clarkson he was the dean of business school at Northeastern University and he also had he. He, he, he had business, private businesses, his own companies and so on. But he was also this, uh, uh, the dean of the business school. And he came to me to breathe and had a remarkable experience and became a real um, angel for me. He, he, he financed my master's degree. He funded my travels to into China, uh, to out to, to Rajneesh's commune. Uh, to he, he financed my studies with Carl Stowe and Leonard Orr, um, uh, my trip to China, and um, and so that that the the trip to Rajneesh Puram to Oregon uh, to that commune was really exciting because I had I had been touring the U.S. and Europe, and whenever I met a sannyasin, one of those followers of Rajneesh. They were so alive and so passionate and so juicy and so uninhibited. And, and when they breathed, they didn't just breathe. They took all their clothes off and they, ah, ah, and they just really like went for it. And so, and, so, and there was a common thread. I could, a, a common energy I could sense in all of his sannyasins. And so I thought, this is like the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I, I wanted to be in his presence. I needed to meet him to kind of just sense for myself his energy and he loved breath work. He taught a lot about breathing. And so I went there to study his, um, his school's approach to breath therapy. Yeah. And at the same year, I went to China to study uh, with Hu Bin, uh, Chinese medical breathing exercises. And the same year, I went and studied with Carl Stowe, who had a method called Simbic, Stowe Method of Breathing Coordination. And... Um, and I went to a couple of other yogis and um, uh, Western teachers who were doing stuff around breathing. And then I put all that year into a, a thesis, which was my master's thesis. Mm. And, uh, and then I had sort of credentials. 
but you know, no one has ever asked me for my a copy of my degree. <laughs> ever needed it or wanted it, yeah. and um, and so it feels like I interrupted my education to get the degree. Yeah. Uh, but at least, <laughs> but I I um, I kept trying to deepen and broaden my my knowledge and my skills. You know, many people now you learn the Wim Hof technique, or you learn holotropic breathwork, or you learn you know you learn a certain you know coherent breathing. And it's one breathing technique, one method, and it's magical, it's powerful. But there are hundreds, thousands of other methods and mm. teachers that you'll never hear about that are equally powerful and maybe more powerful. So I just made it my business to just anybody who was ever teaching anything about breathing, I was either kissing their feet or breathing down their neck while they were working until I got from them whatever I could get. And then pretty soon people were kissing my feet and which, which is a ridiculous thing to say, but there are certain traditions where that's how they kind of, you know, I go to yeah. India and like people touch my feet. Nah, don't do yeah. that. <laughs> like I'm not a kisser myself. And so, yeah. uh, but I, you know, I've learned to respect every culture I've been to. And one of the beautiful things about breath work is that you find out that everybody's the same cultural differences, religious differences, all those things, they're all surface differences. Mm. And when you breathe with people, you connect with their with their authentic self, with their essence, with who they are underneath all of the miscellaneous random, you know, where I was born, who I, what I studied, my title, my role, my language. Breath is takes us to a certain level of connection that you cannot make that connection any other way literally you yeah. can't, you can't there is no other way uh the, the breath brings a certain dimension or level of connection that there's no substitute for it no it's yeah. almost the center you yeah. share the breath yeah. there's no other there's no alternative that there's no substitute for that it's direct it's pure and um and it's the reality right we're all sucking off the same bubble of air in this <laughs> Yeah. The breath that's in you now was in someone else a couple of hours ago. And it's going to be in the dog walking down the street and the bird flying over. The breath literally connects us. And you know that uh, that Caesar's last breath, or there's a couple of books out that talk about this, that literally certain molecules of air that are in your body and my body right now, those same molecules of air were in Jesus's body at one point, the Buddha's body, Lao Tse, Moses, Krishna. Literally, those air molecules have been going in and out of people forever. And in any given moment, the Caesar's, some of the molecules of air that Caesar breathed are in us now. And so it's not just a pretty spiritual idea. It's a fact and reality mm. that we are all connected. We are sharing something really profound. And the sooner we wake up to that, to that oneness, to that connection, the better off the world is. Because if I feel my connection to you, how can I do violence upon yeah. you? I'm hurting myself. Exactly. So breathing helps people take spiritual philosophies and beautiful intellectual ideas and you have a cellular experience, you have a biological experience, a, a felt experience, and it's not just theory or intellectual, it's it's a living experience. And that's what transforms people. You know, concepts get you nowhere, but training get you everywhere. It's a, it's a, there's, a there's a level of um, 
I think there's there's a level of, there's a lacking of vulnerability in today's quote unquote society. And I think that breathing together, breathing in groups, breathing with a partner, a friend, sort of imparts that vulnerability on you that you have, like you were saying, you have no choice. To, you cannot avoid it. It 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 is it, it becomes it's that felt that knowing sense, which is which is almost indescribable in that way. Um, yeah. And then I'd like to just just kind of circle back for a second. You, you mentioned. Um, you know, holding on to one one particular breath technique, and that there's thousands of ones out there. Um, and and this is going to kind of lead to my question. But one of the most impactful things that I've found recently with my own breath breath practice is to layer in um, both like up regulating techniques and then down regulating re regulation techniques, so that I can find that homeostasis or balance point a little more easier instead of instead of just leaning on one side or the other. Um, so is that something that that you practice your, yourself? Did you layer those different techniques in at once, or is it something de depending on your your state and, and what you want to get out of the next the yeah, next you're looking yeah. at the what you're making reference to is this whole spectrum of applications or benefits of breathing on one side you have the very subtle buteco patrick McEwen oxygen advantage um you know all this this preserve your co2 purely nasal breathing don't breathe deep breaths and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the cathartic Wim Hof, holotropic, rebirthing, bang, crash, zoom, transformational kind of practices. And I think we need to get comfortable with that whole spectrum. You know, for example, nasal breathing, diaphragmatic breathing. That's a, that's a, it's already a cliche. You want to know what is the proper way to breathe? Breathe through your nose and breathe from your diaphragm. However, um, Diaphragmatic breathing is not a transformational breathing technique. It's grounding. Mm. Um, high chest breathing is supposed to be, ooh, that's not heavy. It's not healthy. Breathing high up in your chest, oh, shouldn't do that. Breathe through your mouth, oh, shouldn't do that. But when you breathe high up in your chest through your mouth, you trigger some powerful transformational potential. Mm. And you, you activate uh, some really deep psychotherapeutic kind of stuff. And so the breath can purify and purge and cleanse and transform in the same way that it can ground us and stabilize us mm -hmm. and relax us and calm us down. And so a good breath worker is comfortable with the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. And they may, they may lean in one direction and they generally camp out in mm -hmm. one side of the spectrum, mm -hmm. but they're not avoiding the other side. They're still open to it. And I would say that the best breath workers are the ones who they're not camped out on either side. They can, you know, they can swing both ways. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but that's so, very, it's, you know, it's, um, it's scary to find your own way. And that's also mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about breath work is that it, there are universal principles, even though there are thousands of different possible breathing techniques and teachers and schools and styles and approaches, there are certain fundamentals that you just can't get around. And if you learn those fundamentals, you can put them together in your own unique way and create your own perfect path and your own perfect uh, methods and, and exercises. So those three principles, I, you know, say what I recognize as universal kind of things are awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any, if you're breathing, just becoming conscious of the breath 
you already have, you're in common with everybody else who's ever practiced anything else because they also became conscious of their breath. So mm. that's one of those elements that's, you, this, you, you know, built in to all practices. The other is relaxation. Now, some people focus on it more than others, but there's a, there's a really important piece of breath work, and that is the relaxation, because it's related to how well we can uh, handle the energy that's available through the breath. So for example, I live here in the Baja, Mexico, in the Baja Peninsula, dry tropics, hard mineral-packed soil. And when it rains, the water just washes along the surface of the earth and it finds its way to the ocean. However, if you soften the soil, if you loosen the soil, then when it rains, the soil drinks up the water. So for me, relaxation is that's that necessary part. If I just breathe without relaxing, I can huff and puff and move a lot of air, but I can't absorb any of that energy. Mm. I have to soften and open to, to allow that energy to really penetrate me. Mm. And in a way, breathing is a very feminine practice. Because you have to be open, you have to be available. You're not just muscling the breath around, you're making space for it. You're open to it, you're inviting, you're softening uh, to it. So consciousness is like the male aspect and breathing is the feminine aspect. And when you bring consciousness and breathing together, that's the creative process. That's when healing happens and growth happens and miracles happen. So... Um, awareness, relaxation, and energy. Those are the three things that we kind of play with. And no matter which breathing exercise or technique you play with, you're going to be playing with those elements. And then there are maybe a subcategory of universal things like combining breathing and movement. If I just close my eyes and open my eyes with every breath, or open my hands and relax my hands with every breath, or turn my head or lift it up, or so all walking in rhythm to my footsteps, that's a principle, combining breath with movement, combining breath with sound. Many mantras are actually breath sounds. So hum, so right? Satnam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are breath sounds trying to express yeah. very natural. And um, so combining breath with sound, U shape, A shape, E shape, that, 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 that creates different effects visualization, combining breathing with imagery. So there are this main categories of universal principles and subcategory of universal principles. And if you identify them, you can look at any breathing technique, any style in school, and you can identify those principles being applied to one degree or another. Fascinating. The, the, fem the feminine feminine and male aspect of the breath is something I never considered. That's 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 going to make me think long and after so this we, podcast. <laughs> so we build that into each breath. So, if, example, the inhale is male, active. I'm doing it. I'm pulling it in. But then the exhale, totally let go. Completely passive. Feminine, right? Yeah. And so with every cycle of the breath, you're taking a cosmic journey, yin, yang, active, passive, male, female. Um, and, and inhale, exhale, we experience this unity of being. And that's why connected breathing, conscious connected breathing is one of the most powerful breathing techniques on the planet. And it accounts for most of the, the modern schools of breath work are built around the conscious connected breathing rhythm. 
no pauses or gaps between the breath. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. No holding your breath, no pausing. Continuous, connected, circular breathing rhythm with an active inhale and a passive exhale. That is by far the most transformational breathing technique on the planet. And it's well worth mastering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it would, so one, I think we could probably do a couple hours on universal truth and the dualistic reality and, and its relationship to breath. Mm. Um, but we're, we're running up against mm. a little bit of time. So I want to roll back and see if I can get you to expand a little bit on something you kind of dropped at the very beginning of this episode, I which guess. was the things you are excited about right now. Um, yeah. Obviously as a, as a, perpetual learner a perpetual student i'm i am i am i'm excited to hear what you are what you are getting yourself into in 2023 yeah i'm um you know i've been teaching for 40 years or so to use the exhale to relax and you know relaxation is in the exhalation and every school and every style out there is talking about how if you want to relax lean into the exhale, lengthen the exhale, prolong the exhale, you're triggering the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. And for the last couple of years, more and more, and recently I've had some really powerful breakthroughs, is bringing that principle of relaxation into the inhale. Hmm. So um, so the, the relaxation that I trigger on the exhale takes me to a very peaceful, relaxed, quiet space. And then from that place, the inhale rises up or emerges. And then the, and the relaxation carries over into the inhale. That's been a huge breakthrough practice for me uh, when I really started really being able to do that, uh, breathe very deep breaths, but completely relaxed. That seems to open some doors that nothing else can really open. So I'm really excited and I'm, I'm uh, about that particular skill that I've been honing and, and beginning to teach more and more. Um, I'm calling it an advanced practice because I myself didn't really get it or practice it for like, I did breath work for 30 years and it never occurred to me, you know? <laughs> sure. And the other thing is about group flow. What's exciting me these days, because everybody, you know, the, the, an individual athlete can can use the breath to get themselves into the zone, but the next level of that is flow state among teams mm. and and business groups and sports teams and you know wow the the potential there because if you know six of us lock arms and we synchronize our breathing for for two minutes for three minutes for whatever and then we go off and we start moving around. You see something, and I have an urge to look there. <laughs> mm -hmm. You you suddenly uh, you suddenly have you're alerted to something, and I and I'm suddenly alerted. It creates this energetic bond, this energetic connection between people when they breathe together. And this is going to take the performance of groups and teams to a level, a higher level. So I'm excited about about watching that development. Yeah. I'm excited about watching you to see where it goes too. Heck yeah. 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 That is so cool. My goodness. <clears throat> Brian, any final thoughts on your end? Hmm. 
I like to I like to just finish up with a random question. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna kind of just ask this because I think it's I think it's interesting to kind of hear it from from someone like yourself. So what is what is something that they use that we we so we've talked about breath, we've talked about spiritual spirituality, we've talked about God, we've talked about your childhood, we've talked about a plethora of things on here. Um, what is something that you seldom discuss that means a lot to you? Yeah. Uh, uh, what I've seldom discussed, and now I'm beginning to discuss it more and more, <laughs> is the the power differential that occurs in a breathing teacher-client relationship. I've been really cavalier about that for most of my life. Um, uh, personal boundaries, um, professional ethics, you know, I've been a disruptor. I've been, you know, out of the box rebel. And uh, now that breathwork is mainstream, um, I, I bring my own teachings up to speed with the world we live in today compared to the, how the world was when I started, you know, just following my passion as a breath worker. Um, and so that's something that I'm, and I want to start working with men more because I've, I've really fucked up big time in my relationships to women. I mean, just rude and crude and insensitive and unconscious and typical male, patriarchal kind of toxic male stuff. Even with everything I've been doing, I've just been, that part of me ha hasn't grown and developed um, because it was like, okay, so once in a while, somebody complains, you know, like, and they would say, hey, look, you know, if, if, 10 people love what I do and one of them doesn't, am I going to change who I am because of that one person? No, the heck with you, you know, or if two or three people out of a hundred are completely, you know, feel traumatized, I would go, well, I don't know. That's not my problem, you know, because the other 98, they're not traumatized. So what can I tell you? And that was pretty rude and crude and insensitive and unconscious and arrogant and ignorant of me. And so I've had to, I'm, I'm cleaning up my own act in many ways, mm, because I realized, holy crap, I mean, I was traumatized and I've been traumatizing other people. I, I, I was hurt and I've been hurting other people and, and anything that's a detriment to my mission, I, I need to clean it up. I need to get it out of the way. And so for very deep personal stuff in my relationships to women is uh, something that I'm, uh, I don't talk about a lot, but I'm talking about more. And I'm even where it looks like we're going to begin some men's groups, just men breathing groups, um, and explore some of this, um, exp you know, explore some of these issues, because they're really important, especially now that breathing has become so mainstream. You know, there are professional ethics to consider. There are social kind of taboos and things that need to be honored, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans and me, I, I look, kick me out of Rome. I don't care, you know, but now I'm, <laughs> I'm maturing, let's say, and I'm, yes. and I'm, and I'm working to be a lot more sensitive and conscious and, and anything that I find important, I, I, I have to teach. I just can't learn it for myself. So if I'm going to learn something, I might as well get a bunch of other guys together and let's learn it together. You know? I really appreciate your vulnerability on that. It's um, really refreshing for someone personally, myself, who's going through um, my own trauma recovery journey, if you will. Um, I'm deep in in a lot of that work around my my childhood, and and um, it just that just really really means a lot, Dan. Mm -hmm. You um, 
Yeah. And this has been so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it went by fast. Thank you, man. Love to be with you guys. Appreciate, appreciate your interest in, in breathing. And thank you for giving me a chance to do what I love, which is blab about breathing. <laughs> okay, appreciate the heck out of you coming on here, man. I, yeah. I, there are so many things that we didn't get to touch on, but really, really great hour of connecting with you and getting, getting the insights into your world and how you've shared breath work for from the get-go which is amazing so thank you yes <laughs> thank you hey, if there's anything else i could do that would make a bigger difference in the world and in people's lives i'd be doing it i just haven't found anything that has more benefits to more people so, so good yeah yeah keep being you <laughs> thank you yeah thank you for your time dan thank you